0: The Bible Live is your opportunity to listen to the Bible, a 15- to 20-minute reading every weeknight, the entire Bible, every year. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout on this annual excursion for the Word, Soapy Dollar. All right, here we are thanking you, as always, for being along with us for The Bible Live. The Bible was written to be read aloud and to be heard by others. All of the books of the Bible were written with that idea that they would be read to congregations, to groups of people. Well, here we are, giving you a chance to hear the Bible read aloud each and every evening. Around the world, actually, since we're live-streamed on the Internet, we have heard from different countries and, of course, across the United States, from people who hear the broadcast on the Internet. We are in the book of Judges. These 12, well, 11 men and one woman who served Israel in a particular time of their history from about 1375 B.C. to 1050 when the first king was inaugurated. That was King Saul. Before that, though, they were very loosely ruled by this group of men and, like I said, one woman that we read about last night who are raised up to fight against Israel's enemies at a particular time. Now, the enemies, who are they? Aram, with their capital Damascus, the Moabites and the Ammonites, children of Abraham's nephew, the Philistines, who came from across the Mediterranean, a migratory group, and the Canaanites, those who lived in the Promised Land already, and then the Midianites, children of Keturah, Abraham's second wife, who many think may have been Hagar herself, converted to follow the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They are fighting against these enemies, and they deliver them. We're right in the middle of the story of Gideon, and I'll tell you about that as we come to it. Right now, our Wisdom and Worship segment. Psalm 48. How great is the Lord, and how much we should praise Him in the city of our God, which is on His holy mountain. It is magnificent in elevation. The whole earth rejoices to see it. Mount Zion, the holy mountain, is the city of the great King. God himself is in Jerusalem's towers. He reveals himself as her defender. The kings of the earth joined forces and advanced against the city. But when they saw it, they were stunned. They were terrified and ran away. They were gripped with terror, like a woman writhing in the pain of childbirth. Or like the mighty ships of Tarshish being shattered by a powerful east wind. We had heard of the city's glory, but now we have seen it ourselves. The city of the Lord Almighty. It is the city of our God. He will make it safe forever. O God, we meditate on your unfailing love as we worship in your temple. As your name deserves, O God, you will be praised to the ends of the earth. Your strong right hand is filled with victory. Let the people on Mount Zion rejoice. Let the towns of Judah be glad, for your judgments are just. Go, inspect the city of Jerusalem. Walk around and count the many towers. Take note of the fortified walls and tour all the citadels, that you may describe them to future generations. For that is what God is like. He is our God forever and ever, and He will be our guide until we die. End of reading, Psalm 48. You sent me a dive, gave me with to share your This is The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All right, we need to quickly give you a little review of where we are reading about this fifth of the 12 judges. His name is Gideon, whether well known to a lot of people because several things about his story are memorable. One is that he was very underconfident, and he had to ask God to prove himself. God spoke to him, told him he was going to deliver them from the Midianites. This desert people descended from Abraham's second wife, Keturah. Jewish tradition teaches that was Hagar herself uh, with another name. From that relationship came this nation of marauders. Years earlier, while still wandering in the wilderness, the Israelites had to battle the Midianites and almost totally destroyed them. You'll find that in Numbers chapter 31. But because of their failure to completely defeat them at that time, the tribe repopulated, and here they are once again oppressing the people of Israel, raiding them and robbing them of their food. That's why Gideon had to have his threshing floor, instead of up on a hill where it normally was, where the wind would blow away the chaff, he had to have it down in a wine press, hidden down in a valley, so the Midianites would not come and steal it from them. But then God said he's going to deliver them from the oppression of the Midianites. And chapter 7, now we're picking up, Gideon gets up early, he guides the people of Israel to a great victory now over the Midianites. But then we go on to tell about a very difficult and complicated situation after Gideon's death. His children are rebellious, they're not faithful to follow after God, and it causes problems for the people as well. So we see a lack of parenting skills again among God's people. Judges 7, 1 through nine forty nine. 49, Judges 7. So Jerubal, that is Gideon, and his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Harod. The armies of Midian were camped north of them in the valley near the hill of Moreh. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, Whoever is timid or afraid may leave and go home. 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. But the Lord told Gideon, There are still too many. Bring them down to the spring, and I will sort out who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, Divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. In the other group put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Only three hundred of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. The Lord told Gideon, With these three hundred men I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. So Gideon collected the provisions and ram's horns of the other warriors and sent them home. But he kept the three hundred men with him. Now the Midianite camp was in the valley just below Gideon. During the night, the Lord said, Get up, go down into the Midianite camp, for I have given you victory over them. But if you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Purah. Listen to what the Midianites are saying, and you will be greatly encouraged. Then you will be eager to attack. So Gideon took Purah and went down to the outposts of the enemy camp. The armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east had settled in the valley like a swarm of locusts. Their camels were like grains of sand on the seashore, too many to count. Gideon crept up just as a man was telling his friend about a dream. The man said, I had this dream, and in my dream, a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Midianite camp. It hit a tent, turned it over, and knocked it flat. His friend said, Your dream can only mean one thing— God has given Gideon, son of Joash the Israelite, victory over all the armies united with Midian. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he thanked God. Then he returned to the Israelite camp and shouted, Get up, for the Lord has given you victory over the Midianites. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. He divided the 300 men into three groups and gave each man a ram's horn and a clay jar with a torch in it. Then he said to them, Keep your eyes on me. When I come to the edge of the camp, do just as I do. As soon as my group blows the ram's horns, those of you on the other side of the camp blow your horns and shout, For the Lord and for Gideon! It was just after midnight, after the changing of the guard, when Gideon and the one hundred men with him reached the outer edge of the Midianite camp. Suddenly they blew the horns and broke their clay jars. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. They held the blazing torches in their left hands and the horns in their right hands and shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon! Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in a panic, shouting as they ran. When the three hundred Israelites blew their horns, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. Those who were not killed fled to places as far away as beth Shittah, near Zerera, and to the border of Abel-Meholah, near Tabath. Then Gideon sent for the warriors of Naphtali, Asher, and Manasseh, who joined in the chase after the fleeing army of Midian. Gideon also sent messengers throughout the hill country of Ephraim, saying, Come down to attack the Midianites. Cut them off at the shallows of the Jordan River at beth Barah. And the men of Ephraim did as they were told. They captured Oreb and Zeb, the two Midianite generals, killing Oreb at the rock of Oreb and Zeb at the winepress of Zeb, and they continued to chase the Midianites. Afterward, the Israelites brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon, who was by the Jordan. Judges 8. Then the people of Ephraim asked Gideon, Why have you treated us this way? Why didn't you send for us when you first went out to fight the Midianites? And they argued heatedly with Gideon. "'But Gideon replied, "'What have I done compared to you? "'Aren't the last grapes of Ephraim's harvest "'better than the entire crop of my little clan of Abiezer? "'God gave you victory over Oreb and Zeb, "'the generals of the Midianite army. "'What have I done compared to that?' "'When the men of Ephraim heard Gideon's answer, "'they were no longer angry. "'Gideon then crossed the Jordan River with his 300 men, "'and though they were exhausted, "'they continued to chase the enemy.' When they reached Sukkoth, Gideon asked the leaders of the town, Will you please give my warriors some food? They are very tired. I am chasing Zebah and Zalmunna, the kings of Midian. But the leaders of Sukkoth replied, You haven't caught Zebah and Zalmunna yet. Catch them first, and then we will feed your warriors. So Gideon said, After the Lord gives me victory over Zebah and Zalmunna, I will return and tear your flesh with the thorns and briars of the wilderness. From there, Gideon went up to Peniel and asked for food, but he got the same answer. So he said to the people of Peniel, After I return in victory, I will tear down this tower. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. By this time, Zebah and Zalmunna were in Karkor with a remnant of 15,000 warriors, all that remained of the allied armies of the east, for 120,000 had already been killed. Gideon circled around by the caravan route east of Nobah and Jogbah, taking the Midianite army by surprise. Zebah and Zalmunna, the two Midianite kings, fled, but Gideon chased them down and captured all their warriors. After this, Gideon returned by way of Heri's Pass. There he captured a young man from Sukkoth and demanded that he write down the names of all the seventy-seven rulers and leaders in the town. Gideon then returned to Sukkoth and said to the leaders, Here are Zebah and Zalmunna. When we were here before, you taunted me, saying, You haven't caught Zebah and Zalmunna yet. Catch them first, and then we will feed your exhausted warriors. Then Gideon took the leaders of the town and taught them a lesson, punishing them with thorns and briars from the wilderness. He also knocked down the tower of Peniel and killed all the men in the town. Then Gideon asked Zebah and Zalmunna, The men you killed at Tabor, what were they like? Like you, they replied, they all had the look of a king's son. They were my brothers, Gideon exclaimed. As surely as the Lord lives, I wouldn't kill you if you hadn't killed them. Turning to Jethir his oldest son, he said, kill them. But Jether did not draw his sword, for he was only a boy and was afraid. Then Zebah and Zalmunna said to Gideon, Don't ask a boy to do a man's job. Do it yourself. So Gideon killed them both and took the royal ornaments from the necks of their camels. Then the Israelites said to Gideon, Be our ruler. You and your son and your grandson will be our rulers, for you have rescued us from Midian. But Gideon replied, I will not rule over you, nor will my son. The Lord will rule over you. However, I have one request. Each of you can give me an earring out of the treasures you collected from your fallen enemies. The enemies, being Ishmaelites, all wore gold earrings. Gladly, they replied, they spread out a cloak, and each one threw in a gold earring he had gathered. The weight of the gold earrings was forty-three pounds, not including the crescents and pendants, the royal clothing of the kings, or the chains around the necks of their camels. Gideon made a sacred ephod from the gold and put it in Ophrah, his hometown. But soon all the Israelites prostituted themselves by worshipping it, And it became a trap for Gideon and his family. That is the story of how Israel subdued Midian, which never recovered. Throughout the rest of Gideon's lifetime, about forty years, the land was at peace. Then Gideon, son of Joash, returned home. He had seventy sons, for he had many wives. He also had a concubine in Shechem who bore him a son named Abimelech. Gideon died when he was very old, and he was buried in the grave of his father Joash at Ophrah in the land of the clan of Abiezer. As soon as Gideon was dead, the Israelites prostituted themselves by worshipping the images of Baal, making Baal Berith their god. They forgot the Lord their God, who had rescued them from all their enemies surrounding them. Nor did they show any loyalty to the family of Jerubbaal, that is, Gideon, despite all the good he had done for Israel. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Judges 9. One day Gideon's son Abimelech went to Shechem to visit his mother's brothers. He said to them and to the rest of his mother's family, Ask the people of Shechem whether they want to be ruled by all 70 of Gideon's sons or by one man. And remember, I am your own flesh and blood. So Abimelech's uncle spoke to all the people of Shechem on his behalf. And after listening to their proposal, they decided in favor of Abimelech, because he was their relative. They gave him seventy silver coins from the temple of baal Berith, which he used to hire some soldiers who agreed to follow him. He took the soldiers to his father's home at Ophrah, and there on one stone they killed all seventy of his half-brothers. But the youngest brother, Jotham, escaped and hid. Then the people of Shechem and beth Milo called a meeting under the oak beside the pillar at Shechem and made Abimelech their king. When Jotham heard about this, he climbed to the top of Mount Gerizim and shouted, Listen to me, people of Shechem! Listen to me if you want God to listen to you! Once upon a time the trees decided to elect a king. First they said to the olive tree, Be our king! But it refused, saying, should I quit producing the olive oil that blesses both God and people just to wave back and forth over the trees? Then they said to the fig tree, You be our king. But the fig tree also refused, saying, should I quit producing my sweet fruit just to wave back and forth over the trees? Then they said to the grapevine, You be our king. But the grapevine replied, Should I quit producing the wine that cheers both God and people just to wave back and forth over the trees? Then all the trees finally turned to the thornbush and said, Come, you be our king. And the thornbush replied, If you truly want to make me your king, come and take shelter in my shade. If not, let fire come out from me and devour the cedars of Lebanon. Now make sure you have acted honorably and in good faith by making Abimelech your king, and that you have done right by Gideon and all of his descendants. Have you treated my father with the honor he deserves? For he fought for you and risked his life when he rescued you from the Midianites. But now you have revolted against my father and his descendants, killing his seventy sons on one stone. And you have chosen his slave woman's son, Abimelech, to be your king just because he is your relative. If you have acted honorably and in good faith toward Gideon and his descendants, then may you find joy in Abimelech, and may he find joy in you. But if you have not acted in good faith, then may fire come out from Abimelech and devour the people of Shechem and Beth Milo, and may fire come out from the people of Shechem and Beth Milo and devour Abimelech. Then Jotham escaped and lived in Baer, because he was afraid of his brother Abimelech. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. After Abimelech had ruled over Israel for three years, God stirred up trouble between Abimelech and the people of Shechem, and they revolted. In the events that followed, God punished Abimelech and the men of Shechem for murdering Gideon's 70 sons. The people of Shechem set an ambush for Abimelech on the hilltops and robbed everyone who passed that way. But someone warned Abimelech about their plot. At that time, Gaal, son of Ebed, moved to Shechem with his brothers and gained the confidence of the people of Shechem. During the annual harvest festival at Shechem, held in the temple of the local god, the wine flowed freely and everyone began cursing Abimelech. "'Who is Abimelech?' Gal shouted. "'He's not a true descendant of Shechem. "'Why should we be Abimelech's servants? "'He's merely the son of Gideon, and Zebul is his administrator. "'Serve the men of Hamor who are Shechem's true descendants. "'Why should we serve Abimelech?' "'If I were in charge, I would get rid of Abimelech. "'I would say to him, "'Get some more soldiers and come come out and fight.' But when Zebul, the leader of the city, heard what Gaal was saying, he was furious. He sent messengers to Abimelech in Aruma, telling him, "'Gaal, son of Ebed, and his brothers have come to live in Shechem, "'and now they are inciting the city to rebel against you. "'Come by night with an army, and hide out in the fields. "'In the morning, as soon as it is daylight, storm the city. "'When Gaal and those who are with him come out against you, "'you can do with them as you wish.'" So Abimelech and his men went by night and split into four groups, stationing themselves around Shechem. Gaal was standing at the city gates when Abimelech and his army came out of hiding. When Gaal saw them, he said to Zebul, Look, there are people coming down from the hilltops. Zebul replied, It's just the shadows of the hills that look like men. But again Gaal said, No, people are coming down from the hills, and another group is coming down the road past the diviner's oak. Then Zebul turned on him triumphantly. Now where is that big mouth of yours, he demanded. Wasn't it you that said, Who is Abimelech, and why should we be his servants? The men you mocked are right outside the city. Go out and fight them. Gaal then led the men of Shechem into battle against Abimelech, but he was defeated and ran away. Many of Shechem's warriors were killed, and the ground was covered with dead bodies all the way to the city gate. Abimelech stayed in Arumah, and Zebul drove Gal and his brothers out of Shechem. The next day, the people of Shechem went out into the fields to battle. When Abimelech heard about it, he divided his men into three groups and set an ambush in the fields. When Abimelech saw the people coming out of the city, he and his men jumped up from their hiding places and attacked them. Abimelech and his group stormed the city gate to keep the men of Shechem from getting back in, while Abimelech's other two groups cut them down in the fields the battle went on all day before abimelech finally captured the city he killed the people leveled the city and scattered salt all over the ground when the people who lived in the tower of shechem heard what had happened they took refuge within the walls of the temple of baal berith someone reported to abimelech that the people were gathered together in the temple so he led his forces to mount zalmon he took an axe and chopped some branches from a tree and he put them on his shoulder Quick, do as I have done, he told his men. So each of them cut down some branches following Abimelech's example. They piled the branches against the walls of the temple and set them on fire. So all the people who had lived in the tower of Shechem died, about a thousand men and women. End of reading, Judges 7-1 through 949. I will enter his gate. With thanksgiving in my heart. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. The fifth of the twelve judges of Israel, Gideon, has a very unique story. First, the personality of Gideon himself his lack of confidence. And yet there's a certain courage as well as he takes the initiative to resist the idolatry of the Canaanite people groups around them. He is out there trying to get his grain harvested. There is a certain courage to that. And then when God calls him, of course, he wants to have a little certainty. He wants God to show him very clearly that this is God speaking to him and not something of his own imagination, I suppose. This angel, this being that appeared to him and called him to this task. Then, of course, when he begins to give leadership, he does a good job. He calls the people to action. They're not particularly responsive to him, but he calls them out courageously. God begins by lowering the number in his army. He has, at the beginning, 32,000 people already against an army of about 120,000, we're told, this army that is allied against him. So he's 32,000 against 120,000 already, and God somehow manages to cut his army down to 300 soldiers. First, by those who are afraid. If you're afraid, you can leave. 22,000 said they were afraid of the battle. Then he went from 10,000 to 300 by those who would drink water from their hand. Some say that those who drank from their hand were those who were perhaps more skilled, more cautious. They kept their sword in their hand while they reached down with their left hand to drink water. Maybe that was some kind of a test for them. I don't know, but it took the army from 10,000 down to 300. God fully intended to give them the victory, and he wanted to make sure that they knew that he was the reason for their victory it was important that the people acknowledge that god was liberating them it wasn't gideon it wasn't the great army that they pulled together it was god himself supernaturally moving and of course we see that in the battle strategy with the ram's horn the clay jar and the torch that was in it this surprise attack during the night that reduced drastically that army as they fought against themselves in the night as they fled in the darkness, the armies of Israel were called in to help do the clean-up action. That's still not the whole story. After the great battle for which he is famous, Gideon now is having to deal with the acclaim of the people. They want to make him a king. He doesn't want to be the king, interestingly enough. There's not that ambition within him. He does deal very diplomatically with the people of Ephraim. They complained that they weren't given a prominent place in the battle. He appeased them by showing humility. There's a couple of principles that come out of the life of Gideon. And one is don't worry who gets the credit. Give God the glory and the credit. If you don't worry about who gets the credit, you're going to be able to accomplish a great deal more. And secondly, if you'll help others attain their dreams, their objectives and goals, they indeed will help you reach yours. Gideon's experienced this great victory, and then Gideon is asked to be ruler. He says, no, the Lord will be our only ruler. I like Gideon. There's something about him that's really attractive. He says, no, God is going to be our ruler. He had the right idea there, and this was followed by 40 years of peace. But then he called for the making of this gold ephod, this uh, priestly covering, and the people turned it right around and made it an object of worship, and it says it trapped him and his family. Then he got this one son, Abimelech, by this concubine over in the city of Shechem. One son kills all the other sons. And remember, that's that same city, Shechem, where the children of Israel killed the one who raped Diana, back in the book of Genesis. ...to save for Christ. So he read from the New Living Translation by Kendall House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to the Bible Live Post Office Box 18888. That's the Bible Live P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for the Bible Live with Soapy Dollars.